Welcome to the Lamont Young of Bachelor podcast. Oh God, I, this is the second week in a row I had a good outsider artist to. You know what? Us you to. better jump on it, Jordan. I this know. is not normal. This is this is not normal. I'm Pierre. I'm Jordan. This is an outsider Bachelor podcast. I got really excited to compare us to an outsider artist and then Pierre stepped on my toes for a second week in a row. Thank you, Pierre. You snooze, you lose. That's what Cassidy would say. Yeah, that is what Cassidy would say. Although we will probably never hear from Cassidy again, or at least until the tell-all. I'm so upset about that because she truly probably will be shut out of Bachelor Nation, although she's perfect for Bachelor in Paradise. So I'm sure we'll see her there, but she is like disgraced at this point, And it makes me so angry. Yeah. Do you want to do you want to just jump into the recap? Because I feel like all the most important things that happened in this episode happened within the first five minutes. I agree. Basically, the first segment was not that long. And then the show went on for another hour and a half. And I just glazed over. So this week, we go to Salem, Massachusetts for a puritanical greek tragedy oh i see what you did our, there our hero because it's a witch hunt yeah our anti-hero cassidy uh gets burned at the stake uh the episode is full of slut shaming hubris karma dramatic irony divine wrath wounded egos vengeance and shanae and Shanae, what would you can you give me one word to describe Shanae? Dumb, <laughs> just a <laughs> real dumb, dumb, and injustice that no one could really stop once it got started. So, there was a long and unprecedented group date on this show where they had a group therapy session and talked about some very real, real, real topics, which I think is probably what the the show wanted this episode to be about but everything that happened in this episode was overshadowed by Cassidy being ousted during the rose ceremony which is where we got left off during the last episode's cliffhanger yeah we don't want to applaud them too much for all the progress that they made in talking about body image and masculinity because what they did to Cassidy is unforgivable so Jordan, what did they do to Cassidy? Basically, Cassidy admitted that she's had sex before and got uh, kicked off the show by Clayton once he found out that um, she is a human. She's a a human that uh, needs to have sex. And that is unacceptable, pretty much. Yeah, there are a lot of faults that Cassidy has she's made some mistakes she's crossed some lines with people she's made some enemies and whether you liked her or not this is not the reason that she should have gone home yeah so to recap for the listeners in the second to last episode Cassidy told one of the girls in the house that she basically has a fuck buddy at home this girl immediately snitches on her to Clayton rephrases it when she tells other people that Cassidy is more or less in a relationship with this guy and that she is only going on The Bachelor to make him jealous so they can have better sex is how it is not explicitly stated, but phrased to make you believe. It's stated in a hilariously PG way where she says she uh, relays a quote from this guy 
apparently he said back to her that he wanted to do nasty things with her when she got back. It would be cuddling season. And so obviously she's not here for you and to have love with you. Okay. It would be cuddling season. <laughs> Yeah, what sliding. the fuck is cuddling season? Is that a thing on the show, or is that just? Oh, no, it was weird... probably just something that they said to each other. Like he was like, "It'll be cuddle." I don't fucking know. Cuddling season, not a thing. What was really going on? I mean, she was sleeping with somebody, and they were not in a relationship. So there are some rules on this show about the conditions of your life that make you eligible for being on the show. You have to be single. So there's often situations where someone on the show has a secret boyfriend or a secret girlfriend back home that they did not break up with and they have some kind of masterminded plan to get famous on the show and then return to that person. And it's usually documented and comes out and they get sent home. So they treated Cassidy's situationship like one of these forbidden relationships But in reality, she was single and she just had a friend that she was sleeping with. It was not a relationship. It was something casual. And she brought it up for some reason and it got twisted into this insidious double crossing plan. So like she made enemies in the house and that's really why she got bit in the ass by this. She was ruthless, adversarial. She was bragging. She was bragging. Can't brag. No, 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 no. So like she made enemies. Like she did nothing to cover her ass or like make alliances with anyone other than her fellow manic recruiter friend, Shanae, who is the only one with more enemies than her. Yeah. But also Shanae's less of a threat. And the, uh, the rest of the girls had had enough of Cassidy for taking all of the time with Clayton and then also getting a rose. Yeah. Something else about her that I think was maybe like a genuine reason why she wouldn't fit with Clayton or wasn't really a fit was because she was clearly exaggerating her interest in him. So regardless of whether she was single or not, like her connection and attraction to him, I don't really think was that authentic, but her drive to win him was very genuine. Her motives were very pure in that sense. Yeah. I also maintain that the only real difference between Cassidy and the other girls on the show is that Cassidy is smart enough to know that she just wants to win the show. She doesn't actually love this guy. She's just in the context where she has to to continue to be on television. But also, she's not actually smart enough to have a foolproof strategy because she doesn't realize that strategically she has to cover her ass. Yeah. I mean, that's the tragedy of being of average intelligence. So her dogged like determination and treating Clayton like a prize is the way that society programs us to behave in order to succeed. When you do this at work, you're constantly rewarded for this kind of behavior of being persistent and going after something and being at the forefront and wanting it the most and being the most unflappable. But this isn't necessarily like really how you should behave when it's a friendship or a relationship. And Clayton doesn't see this. He's being love bombed and really manipulated by her. 
And she might even genuinely like him, but this is just how she's programmed to behave. So on the one hand, it's really not her fault. Like she just lacks self-awareness. This is just how she's been molded in a capitalist society. And really it's a systemic problem. I think the major difference between her and the other girls in the house is that she is programmed to win and the other girls in the house are programmed to cater to people. And when you are the bachelor, those are very significantly different things. Yeah. And when you are programmed to cater to people and you think that everyone else is supposed to act that way too, when you see someone who sees the truth and is able to liberate themselves and go after what they want, which they have every right to do, when you're somebody observing that and you feel like the right thing to do is hold back, all logic breaks down for you. And these girls just like their brains explode. Yeah. But I still maintain that they are essentially doing the same thing. And the only difference is that Cassidy is doing it aggressively. The other girls are doing it passively. And the psychological difference between aggressively pursuing what you want and passively pursuing what you want is when you're passively pursuing what you want, you have the luxury of not acknowledging the specific thing you want. But when you're aggressively, actively pursuing something, you have to be like, no, it's the show. I want to win the show. These other people are my competition. I need to knock them out. And for some reason, when you name the thing that you want and you go after it, people are suspicious and they automatically think that you're not being truthful. Yeah, because then it's not pure. So complicated. So she has this like dual core flaw. She's arrogant. And at the same time, Cassidy is too trusting. So this leads her to brag and also overshare because she thinks that she's untouchable. And when she's bragging, she doesn't really have any concept of just how under everybody's skin she's getting. And when she's oversharing and maybe trying to be vulnerable and say something real, like I think perhaps the context in which she disclosed this relationship with this, you know, casual friend probably was negative. Like maybe she was, you know, saying, yeah, I had this this situation and it wasn't going anywhere. And he's still texting me. I, you know, feel weird about it, but Clayton, on the other hand, is somebody who wants a relationship and I'm so excited to be here. Like, I imagine that that's how that came up because I really just don't understand why she would share that information. Otherwise, that's the most important thing on this show is you always have to watch your back. Why do you think Clayton responded so negatively? I thought about this a lot and I kind of want to know what you think, but he freaks out. So he takes Sierra's accusations so seriously and I think he probably was questioning Cassidy because he sensed some dishonesty and her kind of exaggerated affection for him. And it seemed too good to be true. And this probably confirmed his fears that she didn't really like him. However, you know, he wants to hear her out and then he catches her in a lie. So this seems to validate to him that she's a liar because he asks her, were you talking to a guy before you came on the show that you were interested in? And in her mind, she wasn't interested in this like friend she was fucking. And so she's like, no, definitely not. I have not been interested in anyone that I would want to be in a relationship with since 2019. I swear on my life, I am out here looking for the one and nobody has even come close for two plus years. And he's not really understanding that that precludes like that category, you know, that category excludes like a fuck buddy. 
And for some reason, he can't distinguish between those two categories of partner. So on the one hand, Clayton has really healthy boundaries and self-respect and principles. And he's very no bullshit on the show. Like he got rid of that clear girl at the beginning and he could have easily powwowed with the producers and kept her, the girl, Claire. Yeah, the one who immediately didn't like him. She was like, he sucks. I hate him. Yeah. He can't handle me. I'm too fiery. He sucks at, uh, what was that game? She's like, he, I beat him in cornhole. I beat his ass. He likes a stupid football team. Why am I even here? And then yeah, that girl was like, I, I know I would have been her. I was like, yeah, that would be my honest reaction to Clayton, except I also would know that before going on the show. I wouldn't like, anyway. You were talking about why you think Clayton responded so negatively. Right. So on the one hand, his strong rejection of her is in line with his very no bullshit attitude. And I think that that attitude is overall positive and it represents a shift away from the pilot Peter Bachelor simp days where after like years of misogynist stereotyping on this show, the Bachelor had to kind of contend with all of these advances in women's rights and the Me Too movement. And suddenly the Bachelor was very, very terrified of any kind of confrontation and being seen as not treating women right. So this would lead to him just kind of negating himself and like not making strong decisions and keeping people around. And it was like so toxic and also boring. Wait, who are you talking about right now? Pilot Peter. Okay. That, I do not know what that is. You have to explain that to me. So he was a bachelor a couple seasons ago. He was really representative of a lot of men's reactions to the uproar in treatment of women the uproar over treatment of women and me too I think like that was really a lightning rod moment and he was clearly terrified of confrontation to the point where he kind of led people on because he was scared to say his true feelings if he didn't like them so communication skills have evolved where Clayton can be assertive in a way that isn't hurting people's feelings and that's great however when she explains herself to him, he's still mad. And that is hypocritical, unfair, problematic, insecure, misogynist, like total double standard. Like he understands, I'm sure she clearly explains to him, I was just fucking this guy. Okay. It was over. She says to him, he expressed interest in continuing it. And I don't want that because I knew it wasn't going anywhere with him. And he doesn't believe her. Like he thinks that this guy is still a threat for some reason. And I don't know if it's out of an, a real emotional fear of abandonment and like a real feeling of a threat. Or if he's sort of looking at it in his mind and he's like, this is a bad look. I have to send her home for my future within Bachelor Nation. Like I can't keep this girl because it says something about me that I'm loose with my morals. But whatever it was, he sent her home in a way that was cruel and hypocritical. What do you think? Like hypocritical because he's dating 20 women at the same time. Yes. Uh, Well, yeah, that goes without saying. Um, I don't know. I think on like a psychological level he seems like he's deeply afraid of being humiliated yes it's like i think ultimately it comes down to like 
the part of that story where it was implied that Cassidy and this guy are laughing at him. That's the thing that seemed to really set him off. Why didn't he believe her when she told him that the story had been twisted and that she didn't really like this guy and it wasn't a thing? Probably because he has a big trigger for the idea of being humiliated by women. And once that was thrown into the picture, he wasn't, he just needed her to go. I think, I think a lot of that, that's that specific type of jealousy when a guy has that ultimately comes down to this illogical fear that if a woman actually really likes you, other men don't exist. And the mere presence of another man existing in her life is unacceptable. It's so insane. And this is how it is in real life. Like, what? The show Wait, sets it, this up. Do, does it suck to date men in real life? It's not just Shut on up. the show. <laughs> but like, the show sets up all of these surreal, heightened um, conditions. But one of the things on the show that you think is a surreal, heightened condition that actually is exactly how things are in real life is that men expect there to be no other men and they think that they should be able to take their time and consider all women as possible partners oh wait one other thing about jealousy all of the cast members on the show who are not Cassidy had good reason to be jealous of her because she was getting so much attention from Clayton I think that the story of her having a quote-unquote side piece or fuck buddy set them off because they're already jealous of her about Clayton Mm -hmm. and they were also jealous of the fact that she was getting laid as a single person during COVID agreed especially the nurse who has not been getting laid yeah the horny nurse whose personality is that she wasn't fucking during COVID because she was like saving lives in the pandemic in the ICU. Yeah, she's too busy she, being a frontline hero to get laid. Yeah, I'm sure the resentment just like boiled up in her. This is the worst crime that you could do, that you could commit. What? Like all horny single people hate you. Yeah. Mm, you have a target on your back when you reveal that not only are you the front runner right now, but you haven't had any dry spells. Which one was the frontline nurse? Was it Gabby? Maybe. Because there are two things I noticed this episode. Is one, Isn't she the bartender? No, that is... Um, oh, fuck, like Gio, no, she has like some very Italian name. Um, but I have a huge crush on her. Mara Marinara? No, no, not her. The other super Italian one. Mm. Who's a bartender. No. Do they let them just be drunk on the show? Because if so, They're Gabby is drunk. definitely drunk. She sounds, she slurs yeah. everything she, slurs. she says. She's got a lot of steam to blow off. Yeah, and you're right, I just checked. Gabby is the ICU nurse. So <laughs> when she, you notice in the interviews when she talks about Cassidy, she is like furious with rage. She's got all of that pent up libidinal energy and trauma inside of her. And she's just ready to fucking kill Cassidy. Yeah. Um, there is Gabby. Sounds like she's drunk all of the time and the pilot always looks and sounds like she freshly finished crying like you know that onion article that's like woman comes back from the bathroom and expects everyone to act like they don't know she was just crying that is the pilot 
I think that she, it's noticeable that by this episode, her confidence is really shaken because she came in really strong. Like she clearly had a lot of production assistance with her entrance. There was a whole date built around her mm-hmm. because she's a pilot. And then Clayton chose to take someone else on that date. Susie. There's no, there's no way that they set up that airplane date without the pilot girl in mind. And it just didn't work out for her. So she's very shaken right now. And I think she that happens when you kind of get built up. And you'll see this, like whoever is his like front runner right now, a couple of weeks when he's not paying attention to her, she's gonna crack. I need to get that rose tomorrow. You're fake, you're two faced, I'm done. Why are I'm you done. concerned with me? Unfortunately, we're gonna have to be dealing with Shanae for a long time because they Oh no, I like sacrifice. Shanae now. I mean she's terrible. But listen, she's terrible, she's hot, she's dumb, she's trashy, and I wish I knew her. I think she's great. She's also the only interesting person to watch now. At this point, yeah. I mean, moving forward, I think that her drama circles are going to become less mind-numbing, hopefully, and as she is embracing her character... Like, I like that when she gets into the one-on-one, she just, like, says crazy shit. And, like, fuck these bitches. Or, like, I'm here to fucking win. Of course I push that girl into the mud. Yeah, <laughs> that's the best. She's the best. I love her. Gabby gets the rose for being 12-year-old, like, cheerleader. Are you kidding me? I would love it if Clayton picks Shanae. Like, if she wins. And then he watches this season. And he's like, you said all of this shit. <laughs> Has that happened? Like somebody totally stabs everyone in the back to win and then <laughs> the person watches the season and is like, oh, that's what you're fucking like? No, I've never seen that happen. Oh, that'd be so cool. Uh, can we transition into the scene where everyone talks about their insecurities on the group? Yeah. Date? Because I feel like that scene was very relevant to what happened with Cassidy. I... Okay, how are how were they related? Because I was just kind of sitting there in my mind thinking about how unfair it was that Cassie went home and I kind of missed the connection. Okay, let me let me let me recap this scene. So on a group date, they uh, walk into this empty room with a spotlight on this woman that I did not recognize at all, but from context, I think was on a previous season of The Bachelor. She was the bachelorette before and she Okay. She's been filling in for Chris Harrison, basically, in a lot of instances before they hired Jesse Palmer. Okay. She's like an adjunct Chris Harrison. Adjunct Chris Harrison. I like that. Uh, she can't join the Chris Harrison union yet. Um, yeah, they don't give her any benefit. Yeah, she doesn't have Chris uh, Harrison tenure. So the point of this group date, which I think is a horrible date idea, which is just they all sit in a circle and then take turns revealing intimate details about what they are not proud of in their life. And it's proposed by kind of like a group therapy style. There's a question and then we all go around answering it. But this was only one question and then the date is over. And the question was, does anyone here have something about themselves they are not proud of? And then everyone stands up to indicate that they have something they are not proud of. And it would have been fucking hysterical if there was just one person who stayed seated. And it was just like, I'm proud of everything I've ever done. Uh, but that did well, not if happen. Cassidy, if Cassidy was on the date, that would have been her. Yeah. So everyone stood up and then they took turns saying what they're not proud of. 
And it the thing happened when you go around in a circle and one person says something and then the person who goes after them says a thing that's kind of just a reaction to what the person before them said. So what everyone says is kind of just a one-up version of what the previous person said, except one person. I forget her name, but it was a Black woman who said that one of the things she feels uncomfortable about on the show is that she will probably never have a moment to talk to Clayton about race, which was very different than what everyone said, but also has nothing to do with the initial question, which is, does anyone have something they're not proud of? Uh, please stand up. But it was it was the one thing that was remotely different than what everyone else said. I do remember that part and kudos to her for taking control of the narrative. Yeah. And also mixing it up just even a little bit. Clayton responded by getting really emotional. And he said that he was so sad that she felt like she couldn't talk to him about that because he wants to learn about her experience in the world yeah clayton basically says i'm so sad you won't have an opportunity to teach me about racism oh my god just being a woman of color having to be 10 times better just to be seen and just to be heard has been a lot for me and i knew going into this i was never going to talk to you about race at all i don't want you to feel like you have to hold something back especially talking about race like in fact, I really want to welcome that because honestly, a conversation like that, it helps me see things from a different perspective. So I just want you to know, like, please don't feel like you can't talk to me about that. I appreciate that. Um, anyway, so what they all end up saying for the most part is that they have various mostly physical, but general and nondescript insecurities. And the only person who really says anything that seems like an actual problem is one woman whose name I can't remember because she's one of the blondes. Do you remember her name? Was it Rachel, the pilot? No, it wasn't Rachel, they the all... pilot. It was Hunter. Her name was Hunter. Oh my God, I um, forgot that there's someone named Hunter. You know, they all really, really already look alike, but they all really look alike when their faces are just scrunched up crying. Yeah. Hunter described what seemed like a legitimately terrible and abusive relationship she was in. And I felt very... Mm -hmm bad for her and I it, the context of it in this episode also made it kind of minimalized because everyone else around her was just talking about kind of the insecurities that all people have and then when it was Clayton's turn he talked about how when he was younger he didn't like himself because he didn't have abs and he talked about his body issues I hated the way my stomach looked Every day I'd wake up and I'd start off on a bad note because I'd look in the mirror and I would just like, you know, pinch my stomach or you know, like look at you like you're fat, like you're not, you don't have abs, you're friends and you're just comparing yourself. And Which is meant to contrast against who he is now, which is the handsome rectangle Clayton the Bachelor. And listen, it is not that I am not sympathetic for people who have body issues and are insecure about it. I don't think admitting that you are insecure about your body in a generalized sense counts as being vulnerable. I think two of those people, the woman who described the terrible relationship she was in and the woman who opened up about not being able to talk about race on the show, they should get some credit for being vulnerable. Everyone else, eh. And the reason why I think this relates to the Cassidy thing is what Clayton said about basically, and I'm being reductive and a little bit insensitive, 
when he racked his brain of things in his life that he's not proud of, the fact that not having abs when he was 15 is what he came up with. And this paired with his total freak out at the idea that uh, <laughs> Cassidy might want to sleep with another guy. It just reminded me of this thing that a lot of men will try to pose as a struggle in their life. And again, this isn't to minimize people with self-esteem issues or anxiety or body issues. I personally am not one of them. I think I am beautiful and I I love myself and I always have. You don't have body issues? No, <laughs> no I just have a functional eating disorder, but I don't have body issues. That's <laughs> lame. Yeah, this, so th- without to minimize it, listen, not getting laid in high school isn't an uh, obstacle to overcome. It's not a thing that oppressed you. It's not a torch to bear. It's no reason to freak out at people when you're an adult. It's not the worst thing that's ever happened to you. And if it is the worst thing that's ever happened to you, if this legitimately is the thing that he is least proud of in his life, you know, good for him. Unfortunately, the human spectrum of emotion does not always line up with the spectrum of Uh, worst case scenario, best case scenario, worst thing that could possibly happen to a person, best thing that could possibly happen to a person. And most people only function in their own myopic, like scope of personal lived experiences. So whatever the worst thing to ever happen to you was, that's the thing that you're going to feel the most negative emotions about. And if the thing, the worst thing that ever happened to you is like kind of a random thing that triggers you that maybe is not really that bad in the grand scheme of things, unfortunately, that may not diminish the magnitude of the emotions you feel associated with that thing. It's just not right or wrong. It's just, you know, an interesting thing about being human. It seems like a lot of what the things people were not proud of on this show lined up with a thing that especially, uh, people our age seem to have like a big problem with is this cognitive dissonance between the person that they portray themselves to be on social media or in this case on television them knowing deep down that that is not who they are that is not how they actually look that is not how they feel this is not their life and it seems like a lot of these people have this guilt and shame that comes with knowing that they are pretending to be somebody that they're not. I mean, there's it's no coincidence that these perspectives and issues run rampant on this show, which encourages its cast to put on a facade that no one can know a facade that no one really lives in their in their true self, which is wanting to get married to a bachelor or bachelorette on television when you've only known them for a couple of weeks. Anyway, in conclusion of this part, it seems like the the cognitive dissonance of identity on social media and on television plays a huge role in the lives of people on this show. And I think as it relates to Clayton, you know, I think like the insecurity that we've seen with him and Cassidy and him on the first episode of the show, I think a lot of it like just boils down to this expectation that he has on himself and that he knows that people are putting on him, which is like, He's the bachelor. He's a big, tall, beefy, former football player who all these women want to date. And whenever there's a crack in that, whenever there's a moment of body issues or a moment where a woman has eyes for somebody else, that crack is a chasm for him. I also want to say that I think Clayton launched into this topic about his own, you know, basically like eating disorder or uh, and like 
body insecurity when he was younger because the women brought it up first. Like the women brought up this topic of body image and insecurity and unhealthy habits and being bullied or teased for what they looked like. And he's responding to that. And I think it's because he sees an opportunity to unpack masculinity and reveal the really fragile problems at the core of a lot of toxic masculine or like macho behavior. And I think like that really is his, that's one of the only things that he has to bring to this season. I think that this has to do with, like this is related to how he is reinventing being assertive when speaking with women um, and like finding a way to deliver bad news without thinking that he's going to destroy someone's feelings or like delivering bad news with sensitivity. Do you think he's done that so far? Like if you had to grade his ability to do that, if if what he has to bring to this show is a, a new example of how men can healthily deal with conflict, in the context of The Bachelor, uh, what's his grade so far? Well, in this particular episode, like a three, I'm so mad. But every instance up until he sent Cassidy home, I would say like nine out of 10. Like, I'm very impressed with his no bullshit clay don't play. Did you see that? That that was their, their catchphrase? Yes. Yes. It's a little contrived and rehearsed sounding. When he explains to people like, yo, don't take this personally. I'm going to do me. You're all great people. I just want to have fun. Oh, that's the other thing about this season. Clayton has a fun mandate. Yeah. He's like vibe check. Anybody who acknowledges or brings the mood down, you better fucking watch yourself because we're having fun. Yeah. So to transition into another part of the show with uh, the Shanae fight part two, Uh... Shanae and Elizabeth are fighting with each other and through Clayton again. And I think at this point, Clayton has basically only talked to these two women about uh, each other and their fight. And he does a really good job of empathetically telling Shanae, listen, you need to deal with this. This isn't my problem. I am not going to mediate your fight with this woman. Yeah. So, you know, he gets some credit for that. I guess. Yeah, I forgot about that. He, 10 out of 10 there. It, really difficult to deal with this woman. I also loved how some, at some point in that conversation, he says something to the effect of, I just want to keep your spirits up. Yeah. And make Which sure that you're happy. Such a great way of saying, shut the fuck up. I'm going to yeah, use that. Like, I'm going to use that. The next time somebody's telling me about like their terrible work day, I'm going to be like, listen, I just want you to have a great time and to keep your spirits up. Yeah. He's basically like, I don't want to deal with you. I can't deal with you. Like, I need you to keep your spirits up because you're a fucking nightmare when you're complaining. Yeah. Well, actually, I take it back because I just remembered um, he did have an interaction with Shanae that wasn't this. It's when she made out with him on the beach in front of everyone else. I loved how dramatically everyone cringed about that like he could not push her off of him because he's like that'll be a bad look so uh shanae and elizabeth are fighting again it starts when elizabeth makes everyone shrimp and shanae eats half <gasps> of it and then i love shanae makes everyone shrimp and then nobody wants it and then she interprets everyone's 
lack of interest in her shrimp because she's clearly doing it because Elizabeth made shrimp and got mad when Shanae ate all of it. So she's clearly doing it in response to that. And everybody's like, we're staying out of this. And also we don't want your shrimp. This is weird. Yeah. This is temptation shrimp. Yeah. She was shrimp baiting them. Yeah. She, yeah. She shrimp baited or unsuccessfully shrimp baited. Yeah. And then she was really embarrassed that no one wanted to eat her shrimp. And she interpreted the lack of interest and lack of appetite for her shrimp as a conspiracy against her mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like um i guess elizabeth told everyone not to eat my shrimp you know everybody's showing me the cold shoulder mm. it was just so crazy making can we talk about the clothes people wore a little bit because there's two what did you think about there's, leather jacket there's two yeah there's two things i want to talk about before i talk about clayton's clothes i want to talk about bathing suits on this show and what gets censored and what doesn't i am very confused with the the Baywatch scene on the beach where all the girls are given this one piece red Baywatch bathing suit and they block out certain people's butts, but not other people's butts. What is going on with? Let me tell you. So any that bathing suit, it's the classic iconic Baywatch suit. The top, nothing really special about it. It's pretty full coverage, pretty conservative. The leg openings, in the other hand, go up very high and the whole transgressive or provocative part of this swimsuit is the high leg opening and the very scanty butt coverage it's basically the back is a wedgie so already when you're wearing it you're walking around with a wedgie already right like regular style that's how it's supposed to look it's kind of like I don't know like a Brazilian bottom or something so when they are blocking it out that's because you can see more than just their butt in a wedgie yeah so when they were at the pool by the house they were very clearly just blocking out any girl that had on thong bikini that was just gone not making the air with this bathing suit because it was all the same bathing suits you could see that they would block out some girls and not others. So what's the rule for how much butt is okay is what I want to figure out. The rule is that you can't see somebody's like vag. That's the fucking rule. The part where they block these girls out, you might notice one of them was like bent over laying down and had like a major wedgie. So they had to block it so that you didn't see her crotch. Like even if her crotch was like mostly covered, it probably would have violated FCC rules to have like, to show a wedgie on a crotch and like very obvious camel toe when like there's also that much skin involved because like their legs are also completely bare. And the other time when that happened was this girl jumped up on Clayton to kiss him and the wedgie went even further up her ass. And I think that it looked like she had a bare ass. This like, why don't they just that's why give them bathing suits that you can show on television? You just want the show to look like your Instagram discover feed. But if you have to block it out, then you can't just give them bathing suits that you know you don't have to edit. I don't yeah, get it. I mean, I guess a, we also are living, we're, we're kind of living in like the golden era of a bathing suit, both being and not being a thong. So I can see how that would be an issue. But I still, if you're producing the show, just give them something you can have them wear on TV for the love of Christ. Have I answered your question? Yeah, terrible foresight. Uh, The other thing about clothes that I want to talk about, Clayton, again, terrible outfits. He's wearing two particularly bad outfits on this show. The first 
he did this this the last episode and he did it this episode too everyone they're on a, a night date they're on a like a cocktail date everyone is wearing like heels cocktail dresses their hair's done their makeup's done and clayton is wearing a blazer with a hooded sweatshirt underneath it like he's in a fucking kevin smith movie and the 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 hoodie he's wearing is the ugliest fucking thing i've ever seen it's like it's not cable knit but it's like this weird knit hood that has like uh like the like the collar that goes around a crew neck but around the entire hood and it, it's like textured like thick ribbed cotton it's fucking hideous it's basically like the guy who shows up to settle the diy show except he also works at an ad agency yes exactly if everyone around you is wearing high heels and a cocktail dress just get a fucking collared shirt bro what the fuck are you doing maybe the stylist left with chris harrison Yo, I'd be surprised if he had a stylist. He's worn so many bad things on this show. The other thing he's wearing is that fucking leather jacket that simultaneously looked soaking wet and wrinkled the entire time. I have no idea what was going on with this jacket, but it was fucking hideous. It also stood out because it was so dark compared and everyone else is wearing colors and he's also just so large yeah so he just walks into the scene like he's like this gigantic like he looks like a black cadillac escalade <laughs> yeah he, lo- he just rolled into that room like a big black cadillac escalade oh he looks so light and like i get it that like if you're a dude who's taller than like six foot two it can be hard to find good clothes but Get a fucking stylist, for the love of Christ. Jordan, if you think that they're just letting The Bachelor uh, dress himself, you are out of your mind. I think they are. I think they are. And here's why. Here's why I think they are. When they go to the beach, Clayton has the that like weird chest and stomach stubble that you get when you waxed your body like a month ago and haven't re-upped. There's no way somebody who's in charge of making sure this man looks good isn't like getting his chest waxed again. No, Jordan, the stylist probably would not also have responsibilities to wax the bachelor's chest. They are just wardrobe, okay? That's yeah. not that goes they would that would be violating their contract. They'd be violating their their union contract. I'm not saying they, they have to, to personally him. do it, but if they know he's going to the beach, like get him waxed again. Jesus Christ. Yo, maybe he was feeling really empowered after his like big body image. Yeah, after he uh, confessed that he's felt bad about his body once before. He was like going, he was freaking out. He's like, I need to wax my chest. And then he was like, no, fuck it. I'm going to go out there and be not embarrassed. I'm going to own my chest stubble. Yo, honestly, waxing your chest and stomach is the worst. It is the the most uncomfortable thing you can do. It fucking oh, sucks. Oh, really? Oh, really? Waxing your chest is the most uncomfortable thing you can do. Yes. There's no other part of your body that has hair on it that might be a little uncomfortable. It's, or it's more un- it's more uncomfortable than that. You've had your bikini line wax? Yes. Oh. Yes, it's <laughs> more uncomfortable. It's like that. I don't want to know. But your entire body. Oh well, yeah, large area, large area. But I guess if you, it feels have- the same. It's the worst. It just like itches, like your stomach itches, Yo. your chest itches. It, Yo, it's one time fucking in college, terrible. 
one time in college, my really good friend who's super hairy, um, who's a dude, was interested in getting his back waxed. And he had like a full back of like black, thick hair. And well, not like Austin Powers, but you know, enough where it was like a lot. And he didn't want to pay for it to like go get it waxed because we're all like broke college students who like are giving all of our money to our like private institution that is bleeding us dry. And so we agreed to wax his back and we were like at a party we had him lay down and we like we're also we're all just like drinking yeah and are not I assume I assume this started when you were drunk yeah and he let us wax his back and he was like screaming in pain and we all were just cackling (laughs) oh people are cruel when they're younger and people that age are on this show yeah when I was in college or I guess this was after I got kicked out of college, but when I was college age, I was visiting my friend at their college. Um, I cut a girl's hair with a serrated bread knife. No, that's like some serial killer shit. She asked me to do it. She's like, I need a haircut. Can you cut my hair? And I was like, we don't have scissors. And she goes in the kitchen and comes out with a serrated knife. She's like, use this. So we put her hair in a ponytail and I like pulled it so it had tension. And then I just like hacked away with serrated bread knife. And then, then when it, no, fuck no, it didn't look good. It looked terrible. We were drunk using a bread knife to cut her hair. And then after she was done, she's like, okay, now you need to do my bangs. And I was like, no. absolutely not. Oh no. my God. No. Could you imagine just like slicing into her brain by accident? Yeah. She looks like fucking I... Dusty Rhodes at Starcade. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, uh, one thing I want to, Maybe to close this out, I want to ask, you know, are men okay? No, they're, no, they're not. Certainly not clean. But in general, men are not okay. They're doing terrible. Why? What What? Provo- what specifically provoked you to ask that about this episode? I mean, the show made me think a lot about how different people define non-monogamy, how different people define a relationship versus something that is not worth mentioning because it doesn't count versus how some people behave when they're single by you know like dating or sleeping with different people and how that is distinct from people who have non-monogamous lifestyles and it seems to me like men just don't really have a lot of understanding of the fact that all of those things can be different situations nor do they have a concept of the fact that a lot of different people define all of those things differently and they just get spooked they get spooked so easily by the mirage of competition first of all and also there's been this shift like we talked about earlier with pilot peter where men are reevaluating the way that they behave and the way that they speak to women but they don't really think that it's possible for them or they don't, a lot of them just don't see how it's possible to do the right thing. So they just do nothing. And a lot of men are just shell-shocked and not having sex. Yeah, maybe. And I think that they're suffering is what I'm saying. It depends. It depends on the type of guy. I think, I think in the case of Clayton, that definitely applies to him and i think 
to the I'm trying to think of a good way to put this. I think the main problem with not really knowing how to like uh, deal with their jealousy in a healthy way, not knowing how to talk about like monogamy, not knowing how to um, process competition or even the illusion of competition. I think a lot of that just boils down to like not knowing how to imagine the interior life of the person they're dating. And do you think it also has to do with not being able to process emotion because they're socialized in many instances to negate or deny the fact that they might have an emotional reaction? I think it's one of the same things. I think I, I, I think they're the same thing. It's a combination of the two slash the same thing. I think part of the it's not that they don't know how to process their emotion. It's just that, especially this is a great example in this episode with Clayton. It's not that he, he's not processing his emotion. It's that the way his emotion is uh, manifesting itself is defensive. He is, uh, yeah. he's getting very like scared and kind of lashing out against this woman. And the reason it's defensive is because it's 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 the action is only going one way he's perceiving this as a thing somebody's doing to him that he needs to respond to and the reason that is happening is because he's not imagining like how she is experiencing the same thing he views it as only a thing that is happening to him and a lot of that a lot of that viewing all things specifically relationships with women as uh, one directional. Uh, you are either the one doing things or you are the one receiving things. And when you're confronted with something that you don't like, it can only be somebody who's doing something to you that you need to stop. Yeah, there's a linear understanding of the world and really a lack of grasp for that concept of reciprocity. Yeah. Um, and back to what you said about uh, how a, a lot of guys are freezing up and doing nothing and not having sex or dating. And that information comes from conversations with lots of friends, personal experience, information that my therapists tell me about their other patients because my therapists tend to like me, so they gossip with me. And, um, you know, also friends and family who, like my younger cousins who tell me about their friends at school, my friends who have younger siblings who are coming of age, who are virgins in their 20s, Um. I'm just saying, I didn't. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll take okay, your word for, for our it. listeners. I, I'll, I know you believe me. Yeah, I, I believe you. I, I do have to take your word for it only on a fact that I only know women. I don't know any other men, and I'm fucking all the time. So I, this, wow. this problem is a total abstract to me. Um, okay, Cassidy. <laughs> um, but you know, the, the reason why somebody would freeze up is because if you're given the information that, like, when men act on women it is often hurtful and bad. And you only view things as uh, like a, a unipolar, one directional, I am doing something or something is being done to me. When you feel like something is being done to you and you think it is bad to have a conflict with a woman, you just do nothing. 
Also, we were talking about this once before where there's a lot of people have this like transactional understanding of sex where if they are we're not, at the end of it, you shake hands and say this was a great experience. Thank you. I wish. No, where men think or, you know, people think sometimes that when there is a sexual experience, it is highly likely or almost guaranteed that one person is benefiting and the other person is having something taken from them or being taken advantage of. Like there's this concept, concept or understanding of a romantic relationship or sexual relationship as there being like a winner and a loser, somebody who's the catch and somebody who's like the simp or whatever, or like somebody's the dom and somebody's the, uh, what the, like there's this very binary understanding of the way that people relate to one another. And, in that there's this fundamental fear that something is gonna go wrong or almost like an expectation that something's gonna go wrong. So if you're the person enjoying yourself and you don't think this other person is gonna hurt you, you might jump to the conclusion that you're gonna hurt them. So people kind of like try to think three steps ahead and disentangle themselves from situations where they think that the other, I'm like, maybe not explaining this the best. Do you, you know what I'm saying? We've talked about this. Can you explain this in like one sentence? Yeah. Uh, Men view sex as a zero sum interaction and in order to, not be the the villainous man who fucks somebody and hurts them and leaves and then gets me too later they try to do a chivalrous thing which is end it on good terms which ends up coming across as uh jilted and weird is that it yeah it comes off so weird i feel like there's so many people who are like uh we can't be involved because I don't want to hurt you because sex is bad and guarantees pain. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, kind of no. yeah, a lot of the like zero sum attitude towards sex is just like extraction. It's like, you're a fucking, uh, you're Exxon and women are an oil field and you're drilling them every time you fuck. And you're like, Oh fuck the world's ending. We need to switch to renewables and, The way you do that is by saying, hey, let's be friends. Yeah, people definitely think that exact way and it's wrong. It's incorrect. Sex is not bad. Sex is good. Yeah, it is drilling though. That part of it is true. That's one kind of sex. Yes, Jordan. Um, Sex is good for you. It's good for your body. It's good for your mind. Um, It should always be consensual. Uh, There's lots of different positive and negative things that people like but it in general is something that people should be able to enjoy and it makes me sad when that's not the case do you think clayton enjoys sex yeah but clearly it only has to occur under like or it only can occur under very specific circumstances for him to be comfortable and on the flip side jordan yeah. Abstinence causes cancer. Does it? Does it really? Well, I mean, pretty much. I mean, you need to be <laughs> yeah. constantly releasing stress. 
and processing stress in your body. And if you're not orgasming, then like you're opening yourself up to all kinds of inflammation and circulation problems and generally deteriorating your health. I like how in this proposition, masturbating doesn't exist. Oh, I guess it does, but. I hear it's fine. I've never done it myself. (laughs) Seems gross. Um, I mean, masturbating is, is a limiting experience. I think like for like the potential for the kind of like stress release that you can have, like it's one person simply cannot do what two people can do. It's just a meta, it's a material fact of the universe. Well, if you get really good, you can eventually figure out how to like spit in the air and then move so it lands on your face. I don't really know what that has to do. (laughs) Hey, do you think um, people acted normal this episode? Was this normal? Yeah. This is real life. Yeah, I agree. This was incredibly normal. It was mostly normal in just how unimaginative and annoying everyone was this episode. And cruel. Oh, my lover, don't you know?